turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of DeLorean Talk. I am Dave Tavers, based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, VIN 10515, and I'm glad that you're back again. Today's guest is Justin Sukraj, who runs Wells Auto in Milton, Ontario, Canada. He's run the shop since 2014, and the shop has several DeLoreans. Prior to that, Justin worked at Mercedes-Benz in Canada, and he's been working on cars in general since he was about 13. He bought his first DeLorean in 1997, but returned it shortly thereafter. His current DeLorean he bought in 2009, and it is VIN 11594. Justin, thanks for taking the time to join me. No problem. Thank you very much for having me, Dave. I recently saw a YouTube video of you. I think it was a local news station up there in Canada that uh, found your shop and interviewed you. And I've had you on the list of uh, DeLorean service and parts list on DeLorean directory for a while now, but I never, I haven't reached out to you, even though I really want to get all of the shops around the world to come on the show and tell their story and help promote everybody. Uh, so that's DeLoreanDirectory.com slash service. There's a bunch of places up there, and those are all from locations that people have recommended, other DeLorean owners have recommended. It's not just a shop that says, we fix DeLoreans. Uh, I want to make sure that list is nice and clean and somebody has actually had their DeLorean worked on there. You started the shop in, in 2014. What prompted that? Well, uh, in, in 2014, uh, I, I was still working for Mercedes-Benz Canada, and my uncle owned a small used car operation in Guelph, Ontario. And he was looking to retire after about, uh, I guess at the time, 19 years of uh, up running that operation. And uh, it, it became an idea to take that operation and, and just make it a, a business of my own. And, uh, you know, initially it was not to make a, a DeLorean facility. It was to make a, a classic car restoration as well as a, a regular sales facility, just applying things I had learned in my last decade working on the, you know, retail side of things, corporate side of things, the technical side of things at, at Mercedes. Awesome. So it was in the first year of that when I kind of realized um, that, you know, the my plans for what I wanted to do with the business in that location were, were just not going to happen based on the location. But it was also about then that the uh, guys in my car group who uh, had been asking me to work on their cars previously, and I, I, I always said, you know, I'm not, I'm not a business. I'm not going to work on your cars, you know, legally. I don't want to touch it. And uh, they said, well, you're a business now. Well, when, when can we drop off the cars? <laughs> and that's sort of how it started. And uh, we went from, you know, being uh, hiring on a um, – a tech to work with me on uh, from from next door and just sort of expanded from there and and now we've moved to a, a much larger facility that's the right size for for what we do awesome and um, le- leaps and bounds away from where we where we can fit about fourteen cars in here wow and you said you first started doing classic cars it, it wasn't DeLoreans. Yeah, I mean, it, it was that, that operation my uncle had had was just a little used car lot. He'd sell, you know, five thousand dollar cars to the students of University of Guelph, and that was sort of his world, as well as fixing up some older cars that he liked to have, older C3 Corvettes and pickup trucks and such. So uh, one of the first cars we we had in when I bought the business that was a bit of a legacy thing was a '66 122S Volvo, which is certainly not something I would have gone or looked for or, <laughs> or understood. But it was a you know a client who saw 
saw the work both Mancla and I had done, and it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like you guys to fix this. I'm like, okay, sure, let's let's get started with this. And uh, that came out pretty neat, but it, again, wasn't really my passion. I, I you know, you kind of have to fall in love with a car a little bit to to do restoration work with that, which which I did. You know, you came to understand what it's what's pros and cons were, but that wasn't my bag. I mean, I'm a yeah. product product of the 80s and 90s, and that was well before my time. Well, and, and you bought your current DeLorean five years before you opened the shop. Correct, yes. Did you have any inkling that you wanted to work on DeLoreans when you opened the shop? Uh, I thought it was something we would probably do a, a little bit of, but I didn't really think we would specialize in it. I didn't think that we would... Um, really focus specifically on on that for a number of reasons i guess some of those reasons were the challenges i had with my own vehicle uh on, on some of the older parts and corrosion and things like that that we have that are uh certainly a lot more rampant in canada than they are in other parts of the world but uh it, it wasn't really the, the the part of the plan and then it sort of came together because there was not only a need for it but you know i had acquired the the skills of working on my own vehicle and then my the next vehicle and then the next vehicle and yeah. and and that became a lot easier and as time went on uh, we we were a lot easier to figure out what bolt's going to break why <laughs> and, uh, and how to prevent that right right or how so, to fix it which is yeah, which is which is a bigger issue again up here with our corrosion issues than than I think happens in some parts of the U.S. When I talk to people in the eastern United States, a lot of people there's a date. I don't know what that date is, but like first snow or when the weather gets cold enough, they just put the cars in the garage and they don't come out for yep. five or six months. Hundred percent over here. Yep, November first is a hard deadline. <laughs> and uh, you got you're eastern Canada, right? You're up just north of the Great Lakes. Yes, we're north of the Great Great Lakes. I mean, across the border from Michigan, um, you know, I, I guess directly across from Buffalo, as far as a lake goes. Got it. Still cold and snow in the winter. Yes, very much so. And salt salt is our issue. Salt is our big issue up here. Right. And uh, hence why November first to May first, there's pretty much no mo- movement of the vehicles. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Yeah. The shop owned several DeLoreans. Did that happen because over time people want to get rid of them or you just kind of started collecting them and do they all run? Are they, are you selling them and you just haven't found buyers? What's the story there? Well, we're a dealership. So um, above all, we're, we're an OMVIC dealership, a UCDA dealership, all the licensing that you need to be to sell cars legally in Ontario and in Canada we have, which makes us very specific. The cars that we have purchased have been from customers in some cases who have reached the end of their time with the car for life reasons, family reasons, health reasons, whatever. Sure. But more importantly, they're all under restoration. So uh, everything is here as, as visible to be restored for the next who walks in. If you say you want a gray interior vehicle that's, uh, you know, a, a mid-range, we if you want a automatic early VIN, we have one, and we try and keep a variety. You know, one automatic, one one five speed, one black interior, one gray interior, cool. and and go from there. Of course, we don't pick and choose because you know <laughs> the entire populace of DeLoreans in Canada are, are, are uh, half of what one city in the U.S. has. About how many? How many do you think are in Canada overall? We we approximate around two hundred. So I think uh, talking to some of the other DeLorean uh, places out there, that's that's like a city in the yep. U.S., I think. Wow, 200 for the entire country of Canada, not your province. No. Wow. 
Uh, and every once in a while, somebody opens a barn and we find another one, but it's, right. it's few and far between. We, I think between all of us across the country, we have a pretty good pulse on what's sure. around flash hiding. Right. But yeah, 200-ish is wow. what we have. Congratulations for being able to run a, a DeLorean business with that few cars. Do you get many cars coming over crossing the border for work? No, no. We only take care of Canada. Um, there's a, enough of our, our colleagues and uh, friends in the, in the United States to take care of that. And things get messy at the border, uh, especially when it comes to uh, having work done and taking a car back in. Really? So we would never do that. I, yeah, I uh, always recommend uh, for anybody who wants to have work done who's from the U.S., have work done in the U.S. And, and vice versa. If you're in Canada, have your work done in Canada. It's, uh, it, it's a bit of a gray area. What are some of the issues? You, again, you're fairly close to the border. Uh, there's got to be people in yeah. Buffalo and Michigan that you know that those areas that it probably wouldn't be that hard to get up to you. What are some of the issues that yeah. the countries have about having people work on cars? Tax. Um, as soon as uh, the work's uh-huh. done and you bring the the car back there, they they look at it a bit differently and. Um, especially going back into the United States, the question always is, well, why didn't you have that work done in the United States? And again, this luckily this has not been any one of our customers. This is from people I know in other automotive circles who have had yeah. the same issues. Wow. We've, never, we've never talked to a DeLorean owner who has had a car from the U.S. repaired in Canada and brought back over there. But we do know from other car circles that, yeah, it's it's often um, and not and not always, but often not worth the trouble. And sure. and we're a small operation. I mean, we, yeah. we have again we have good, good good friends in the U.S. who who take care of, of that through the variety of the Lawrence facilities available in the U.S. and I think uh, they're all in better shape. I'd rather send somebody to to my my friends out there, yeah, who are closer by to things and know that they're in good hands. You know, so well, the te- you you answered it simply with tax. Because <laughs> yes, I can. Yeah, I can see <laughs> that is definitely the issue. Yes. Let's go back to you for a minute. When did you first decide that you wanted a DeLorean? What what was the start of your interest in the car? Oh, I think I've I've wanted them since I was quite young. I mean, I remember seeing my first real one when I was nine years old because before that it was just sort of a something I had seen seen in a movie. But when I saw it sitting on a used car lot not far from where my father lived at the time, I, I just sort of lost it because I, I didn't realize this was a car you could buy with money and drive. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he, I made him stop the car and I got out. And, you know, I still have a picture of me with that car when I was nine years old. And, uh it that changed my life. Yeah, you can have that fat kid sitting next to uh, <laughs> what I think is a three or four thousand VIN card. <laughs> wow! Wow! I wish I was I wish I was writing down VINs back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're you see it as a kid. You said yeah. you bought your first one in '97. I don't know how old you are, but how old were you when you yeah. bought that car in '97? I was se- I was 17. I was 17 in '97, and wow. uh, that car was also in Toronto, um, within walking distance from where my father was living, and it was probably about an hour's walk at a small little used car dealership that would sell European and exotic type cars. And they had had these two rotting out there for quite some time when I happened upon them. And, you know, three years after, I guess we'd first found the car between begging, pleading and figuring out how I can make <laughs> monthly payments, I <laughs> signed up for a, a, a small loan to be able to purchase that car and had my parents co-sign. And um, anyways, that, that went very poorly. They got the car barely running. It had uh, a number of issues when we had inspected and 
it, it needed a lot more than they let on. So I was in a position to go back and be like, um, I'm a kid. I definitely can't afford what this thing needs. And they're like, tell you what, you know, we'll give you your money back, but don't you ever come around here again. Like, that is a fair <laughs> deal. I will take that deal. And, uh, you know, fast forward into the future, I, I did find that car later on. And unfortunately, they had just let it sit outside that uh. entire time to rot. And oh. um, it, it had a very interesting history after that, where it ended up in the U.S., ended up at, in California, and then ended up in Switzerland. So wow. I've tracked that uh, that VIN, and I got in touch with the owner, and I'm like, "You want some pictures of your car from when I was, you know, when I was a kid, and it was briefly mine?" He's like, "Yes." And oh, I how cool! Yeah, and he's like, do you want it back? I'm like, yeah, I have a feeling I can't afford to have it shipped back, and uh, I'm pretty sure I can't afford to buy it for the beautifully restored price that uh, you need for it. So. so it's all restored now? Yes. Nice. Do you remember how much yeah. you paid for it in 97? 16,000 Canadian. 16 Canadian. What is that about in dollars? Do you know? Oh, I don't know, about 20 bucks US, I think. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think in, in, in U.S. dollars um, at the time, it probably would have been pretty close. Okay. Now, uh, 16000 that's like 11 something U.S. Wow. I mean, it's still a, that's a yeah. steal. Um, although, if it was yeah. in bad condition, probably not. Yeah, it had blown head gaskets, it turns out, and it oh. you know, had frame issues and electrical issues. So, uh, wow. you know, that was actually pretty big money for... Oh yeah, a, a basket case in, in in the in the era before the internet. Even though it was two years into when the internet existed, as a common thing, right? Uh, there wasn't a ton of information sure. for people to help you. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, so it didn't sour you though from still wanting a DeLorean, or did it? N- no, not at all. But what I learned from that was. Uh, a, I would have to buy one that was running. <laughs> I could start running properly. I should right. clarify that. Yeah. And I would have to buy one that was in just good shape. And I had spent right after that incident, I ended up buying, you know, my my daily driver at the time, which I had also wanted. I learned how to work on that, how to. I learned the basics of cars on that vehicle, and I I also learned you know how to take that car to the track, to drive properly, to race properly. All of that stuff I learned on that vehicle. I still have that car, along with you know other toys. But that's that's how I learned how to work on cars. And if I hadn't learned to work on on more basic vehicles, or, or how can I say this, more easy to to um, maintain vehicles, comparatively speaking, yeah. then it would have been hard to have the confidence to um, own a, a classic that was older that yeah. had arguably harder to work on technology than a fuel injected. Vehicle. <laughs> yeah, K Jet, right? <laughs> yeah, K Jet is the bane of our existence. Every day, so <laughs> that is, whereas, you know, a, a, a PGMFI system was uh, a dream. From that first car, fast forward 12, 13 years. Yes. You buy VIN 11594. How did that come yep. about? What was that? That was, again, before well, you started the shop. So had you been looking or did it just happen? You know, no, I was looking. I was looking pretty intently. I uh, I was at the Mercedes dealership at the time, and uh, I had given myself uh, uh, a goal, and I needed a DeLorean before I turned 30 years old. That was the goal. <laughs> it seemed very simple. So I, I started looking, and I found disaster after disaster, um, lies after lies. And then one yeah. day I reached out to the head of uh, out of the group and said, hey, look, I'm looking for a car. 
And he said, look, I know what, you, what you've asked for, but I, there's a guy who has something close to that, and he's local. He's nearby where you work. The car is not for sale, but if he meets the right person, I'm pretty sure he'll sell the car. Hmm. So I messaged this guy, and he was so totally nice. And he said, come by, we'll go for a drive. I go, oh, it's drivable. That's, that is a neat feature. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a much better feature. <laughs> and the car drove beautifully, and it, you know, he'd had uh, his history of work done, and you know, it was a black interior car. I wanted a gray interior car like what I had, and uh, I had wanted a Canadian spec car like what I had had, but you know, this was a, an American car. But whatever, it was in nice shape. And at the end of hanging out in this driveway for three days, we uh, finally oh. just made a deal, and he's like, yeah, you're the right guy for nice. the car. Yeah, he knew that you were passionate and you weren't just trying to buy a, a fun car that you weren't going to take care of. Yeah, and I mean, we we treat things very similarly here at at uh, at the dealership. We, uh, you know, this is not the right car for everybody. Money doesn't buy you the the care that you're going to need to put into it, and, and the patience that you might have to have with any older car. So, yeah, we make sure that we find the right fit of owner for the car to avoid disappointment on both sides. Yeah, well, and you had that as a kid <laughs> at seventeen. Yes. You, <laughs> yes, I did. You know exactly, exactly what that experience is. That's right. I go, nobody else needs a broken heart. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, those stories are around regularly and I, uh, you read them online, yeah. you see them online. People buy the car. Uh, they think that they're just going to turn the key drive away like it's a, you know, a 2015 Ford. And it's like, no, this yeah. is a, it's a classic car. It's going to have problems guaranteed. Exactly. It's a, a 40 year old car at the end of the day, uh, or they're very close to. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's going to have, things that need to be maintained and you have to treat it with a level of care as things break in ways we haven't seen before because right. at right. this age things are now breaking in ways we haven't seen before yep just age simply age yeah and and we have to be prepared for the future of breaking <laughs> like what's, what's going to break next that we, we again was fine for 40 years but now is just giving way that's something I, I prepare everybody for is that you know to be a caretaker of of the vehicle that has lasted this far, what's the next step? Yeah. Uh, that's great that you use that term caretaker. Cause I've said that several times that I have no intention yeah. of selling the car unless something disastrous happens. I, I love it. I love sharing it and it's not who I am, but I love sharing the car. It's not about me being anybody special, but there is going to be a day right. when I'm, you know, whether it's because I'm 89 or I die uh, or I move yeah. to, you know, Japan or whatever, the car will eventually yeah. go to someone else. And I want to make sure that it's still in decent condition, if not good condition, when the next person decides to take care of it. Exactly. And I think that's one thing I, I stress to the the next owner who comes into this shop and, and buys a car is that we are, you know, going to be thinking about its value, not just for yourself, but the fact that this thing has lasted, you know, almost 40 years. Yeah. Let's Let's continue that. There's no, there's nothing more heartbreaking than when I see one that has lasted 40 years fall into the wrong hands, yeah. get incredibly abused or molested, and um, that was the end of it. And that's, what, a, what a tragic end for something that lasted this long. Right. It's one thing if in its early years yeah, it got trashed and that was the end of it. But you made it this far, and, and under my watch this happened? No, no, that's not happening. <laughs> uh, you've been running a shop, so you, I'm sure you've seen all kinds of things. I feel the same way. I hope that it's pretty rare now that any DeLorean that is found today is never going to get mistreated again because, I, you know, people who buy them are big fans and they want to take care of them. And hopefully they, if, if they can't, they will get rid of them 
or at the very least store them properly. I don't think, I think the era of someone in the last five years buying a DeLorean and then leaving it parked outside in New York for five winters yeah. is over, I hope. Right, but we're on to, to something else that's equally disturbing, which is some of the modifications that can happen to the cars. Um, <laughs> on, 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 I'm just going to leave that as look online. <laughs> you, you know, the, 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 the truth is, I, I don't understand why certain people um, or certain groups that have, have cars which are, you know, that made really interesting creations out of, but why a DeLorean? You know, there's there's a number of other cars that people can do really new, unique, cool things with, but I personally would never have picked a DeLorean for some of, some of the projects that we, we've seen done. And that's that's not as a, a disrespect to anybody's work or to sure. uh, the unique modifications and creations you can do with a car. It's just out of, um, it's almost like saying, hey, you know, it would be awesome to run a marathon with uh, and, and maybe see if how well they would do with experimental energy drinks. An eighty-year-old man. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about it. But, yeah, I definitely fall in the camp of it's, if you buy the car, you can do whatever you want with it. And sadly, if it means you're gonna cut the thing in half because you want to use it for a movie, it sucks. But right. you know, hopefully, people don't do that. Well, the, the difference is I. I wouldn't sell that person a car. They'd have to get their car elsewhere. <laughs> right, because right. I, I actually work way too hard to, to fix cars that are, you know, we fix some cars here that wouldn't have even been parts cars in the U.S. Oh, wow. Because we have so few cars, right? right. It's like the U.K. Like, if you, you've seen what they fix, <laughs> it's sort of like you, you fix what you have. Yeah. And, and to go through that, it's sort of like, you know, fixing a, an, an orphan puppy and having somebody walk through the door and tell you, oh, you know what I like, Back to the Future, I'm going to build a time machine. I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. I know some people in the U.S. you should talk to. They're not here. <laughs> <laughs> because we build bespoke uh, collector cars, right? We, yeah. we don't go through this effort to make movie props. Yeah. Again, it teaches own, but... Yeah, for sure. I think it is good that you are, again, you're stewards of, of the cars you have rather than just saying, we just yeah. want the cash. Because there's a couple of places out there that they don't care. They will just they they do some work to the car. They jack up the price, and sadly, because and I'm one of those people. There are people that they've wanted the car for years. They finally decided to buy it. They don't know what they're buying, uh, and they just you know they they're suckers and they buy the car. Yeah, you were a sucker at 17 buying a car that had way too many problems. And it's not that you're dumb. It was more just the you were probably overly excited and. Yeah. Hadn't done enough research, and I mean, at seventeen, who's who's terribly smart anyway? None of us. Yeah, um, well, and especially when it came to uh, working on a car of that vintage, which had so little history to it at that time, even in print. Yeah, you couldn't even go to a library and figure out how to fix the car. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was a, especially in Canada, it was a very very dark time, the, the late 90s, um, <laughs> to mid 90s for the car, because that's when they hit the lowest values, yep. as well as the least amount of care. I yeah. mean, they, people just, the future was really bleak for them, and, and it wasn't something that people wanted at the time. So, you know, when we find them now here, they've lasted, they went through the dark era, you know, we, we get to put them on the hoist and figure out what the heck somebody's done to it, and then put it right. <laughs> Because that's, you know, we, we find a lot of, um, we do a lot of what I call automotive um, archaeology here. 
Oh. And we go through and we dig through and we try to figure out what the heck happened to this car. So because even some of the best ones have real fascinating uh, repairs done to them. <laughs> I've heard I've heard of some. Speaking of, yes. what uh, sure. what are some of those crazy repairs or things that you've seen come in into the shop and you're either blown away by or think that it was an amazing repair or problem? I think we've seen. A- We've seen a lot of creative suspension and frame repairs and and things like that that people just had to do to make the cars uh, mobile. And, you know, some of them you could say, oh, that's stronger than stock, but heavier than stock. Or that's incredibly ugly, but effective. So, I mean, I'm not an engineer. I do not, you know, come up with new, new fascinating ways to make things better. I rely on my friends who are engineers to do that and groups who have the testing to do that. I I install these tested parts. <laughs> I do not uh, say, you know what, I'm going to fix this and it's going to be uh, uh, better because of this new design that we, we choose to do. Uh, I, w- I would look to the village elders for, for advice before <laughs> I would ever do something like that. Do you buy a lot of parts from DeLorean Go or Ed Uding? Um, yeah, you know, we, we buy from uh, a number of the, the vendors. But yes, I know I know Ed well. I uh, know Aaron. You know, it's a, it's a small little world. So, yeah, you know, we're happy. We're happy that all the uh, the options are out there and we buy the parts that our clients request. Got it. Good. Do you have any favorite stories about cars coming into the shop or, or bad stories? Yeah, we, uh, we've had a lot of, like I said, very interesting cars here and cars that would not be parts cars in, in the U.S. that have to be saved here. Um, every car has a history, a story, and a life, and often those lives have been tragic. Uh, the one that stands out the most is a car that had been left at a repair shop when it was um, vandalized by some kids 20 years ago. Every window had been smashed in. Every panel had been beaten with a crowbar. Oh. Um, it was it was just left to rot in a variety of places. And we kept hearing about this car. And eventually, once we had tried to buy it as a, a group, um, ODOC had tried to buy it as a group when it disappeared from under us. It finally resurfaced. Um, and uh, when, when we finally managed to buy it, like I said, it wouldn't have been counted as a parts car. Uh, the frame was rotted. And there was a tree starting to grow into the passenger seat. Oh, um, the windshield wow. was being lying on the on what was left of the dashboard. It had been partially disassembled and turned into a rolling barbecue by the previous uh, owners, uh, which I refused to as an abductor. Um, wow. All the two of the panels had has now been replaced. The others repaired. The frame uh, was replaced with a refurbished one we did, and now we're onto the engine and the interior. So was it worth it i hope so because the before and after both pictures are going to be pretty epic but um, you know it was really a, a very very far gone um uh car and at the end of the day we had to do something about it being converted to a rolling barbecue that is mind-boggling yeah. that anybody would would do that how long did it take you to restore that car Oh, uh, well, it's been like, it's, it's always been, if you pardon the pun, on the back burner. Because <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, we, we got it to being a car again and, and, and has, we just haven't had time to complete the, you know, making it run again and getting, getting the engine stuff done and so on. But now that at least it looks like a car, I feel like it's wow. a car. 
So that's helpful. Um, but you know, this, you know, this guy told me his plans. He's like, Oh yeah, I planned on putting a, a grill in the, the back and uh, using the front of the, as a fridge and calling it back to the barbecue. Oh. And I'm like, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever heard. And I'm going to overpay for this oh. pile to get it away from you. Yeah. And that's sort of what had to happen. But, uh, you know, every, every Justin, one of the cars here is that is story. Sincerely, I can't, I, I don't think in my, again, my short time, I don't think I've heard any story worse than that. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and I'm flashing yeah, on the pictures that we've, fast. we've all seen those pictures of the DeLoreans that are sitting in what looks like a jungle or out in a forest and they're just, yes. you know, yes. they're destroyed. But honestly, what you described right there yes. sounds so far yes. worse. Uh, even, you know, the ones oh, yeah. that they've turned into hot tubs and stuff. Those cars, yeah. you know, those were not, viable cars they took parts from cars and damaged tubs and everything to yes, to build right. those but yeah oh now, this is a car one wow. and it has you know we knew its story going back to how it ended up at the repair facility where is that where it just left got you know left out there until the, the vandalism happened <sighs> and um again a friend of mine had made a, a deal to purchase that car when it had been at that service facility and this is like 1996 and, you know, this whole story that happened <laughs> between then and, and now and how the car ended up in, in, in the worst shape we'd ever seen. I mean, like, you couldn't stand underneath this vehicle for, for how bad the, the rot was underneath it. The oh. steering rack was not attached to anything. It was actually just dangling. Wow. It was, um, it was, wow. it was pretty bad. So, so again, was that a labor of love? Yeah. I mean, I looked at this thing and I still saw a DeLorean. And, uh, as, you know, as a business, as a shop, was that a good idea? No. <laughs> no. That was not a good idea. It was not. Um, the amount of labor hours we have into that vehicle is not even a, a thing. Yeah. Right? Like it's not. It's, wow. Uh, it, but, uh, but again, I think uh, the important thing for me is when people see a before and after with that, It'll it'll just go to show that you know you have to you have to love putting these things back together or yeah. it will be unpleasant. Well, I'd love any photos you're willing to share. I'd love to put them on the episode page. So if you email them over, sure, that'd be great. Yeah, I might I might have to wait until that one's done to give you that before <laughs> and after. We have to do an update with that one later. All right, all right. But uh, but I can send you the the pictures of the vacuum with the DeLorean. That's fine. Awesome. Yeah, honestly, I mean, whether you send me two photos or twenty. You know, it's sure. nice to put all yeah. the pieces together. So, yeah. For those of you listening on YouTube or just listen to the podcast version on your phones, check out DeLoreanTalk.com. Every episode has its own page. A lot of episodes have photos or other links and information. So don't forget to check that out. So in your, let's see, 11 plus years of owning your DeLorean, your second DeLorean, what's your longest drive? What's your best story with the car? You know, uh, we have a very limited driving season here and, um, you know, running a shop, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to get away nearly as much as I'd like to. I think the one weekend I recall was being in six cities in, in two days and, you know, doing shows and doing events and hanging out with different groups in that six cities in two days. And that wow. was going back. Yeah. Um, the year before we opened the business, I think. And, uh, it was, yeah, that was the last time I could drive a distance. <laughs> Were you going to classic car shows or other DeLorean groups? One was a DeLorean group thing. The others were, uh, again, cl other classic car shows and events. 
Are you part of a DeLorean club in your area? Uh, we're part of a DeLorean group, which is ODOC, official DeLorean owners of Canada. I've put ODOC on the DeLorean directory.com slash clubs yeah. list, and I've seen it for a long time, Great. but are you guys, is it fairly active? Yeah, I mean, tougher every year for group events. Um, Michael Borthwick, who I, you may have talked to, um, he, he does a lot of the uh, coordination for, for the group, and he tries a lot to, to get people out for events, and we have a, a, a pretty good calendar. But, you know, as of late, it's been a, a bit more challenging. I think, you know, a, a lot some of the people who have been active in the club previously, have, you know, have had life changes and stuff like that. So Got it. It's uh, it's been a little bit more challenging. I run a tech day as well as a drive. So tech days are opener, uh, season opener. Our awesome. um, closer is a, a drive that we do. I, I have a drive. We do. Milton's got some beautiful back roads, so I I do a nice tour drive around here. How many cars generally show up for that? Uh, Twenty-two DeLoreans um, usually for wow. the tech day, and wow. um, you know for the drive. I think we had. I feel like we always have like 18 or so for the drive, maybe. Uh, that's impressive. I know Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club in Seattle, a couple of years ago talking to Arnie Brandon, I had asking him about the tech days, and he says they usually have 18 to 22, and they got a lot of DeLoreans up there. Yeah. You don't. If yeah. you're getting 20, no. 20 DeLoreans <laughs> out for an event, that seems amazing to me. Yeah, well, I think it's also because it's a season opener, and it's a it's a nice way for people to get together with the, the group on a whole. So other than the car shows where there's other cars and stuff like that, the Tech Day is a DeLorean-only event. I mean, everything we do is a DeLorean-only event. Yeah. But uh, we, we don't really – occasionally somebody will bring one of their other toys, but they're not really part of the tour, if you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in the group, um, but, but that's – yeah. They're not yeah. pulling their car into the oh, garage they, to, to tinker on. That's right. Like they have a have a DeLorean, but they also have this, 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 and this. Right. Today right. they decided to bring this. Right. So, so yeah. There's. I'm really am blown away. That that's a lot of DeLoreans to get to a tech day. Oh, okay. Well, I I thought that was about normal, but uh, if you go on our uh, you know the Instagram page or Facebook, you'll actually see the pictures of the lineup. They've been pretty consistent over the past few years. Wow. I I started the Orange County DeLorean Club in Southern California a couple of years ago and. We had 14 and we had tech days that had 14 and 15 DeLoreans. And that was fantastic considering that basically there was no activity in Southern California for many years. Yeah. And uh, just right. blew my mind when that many showed up. But again, that was a new, yeah. new club, not around for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, 18 to 22 DeLoreans. That's fantastic. Yeah. I should also clarify that, you know, that includes usually uh, five or six of our cars that are here. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that probably puts my numbers pretty close. No, to that's okay. Uh, still, yeah. I, even if you yeah. said 15, that's a lot of yeah. cars. In a in a country where you say there's 200-ish, uh, that's, yep. that's an amazingly high percentage. Very fun. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. – you said you do some drives and events. Do you do an annual dinner? What kind of – how involved in the club are you? I'm pretty involved. I, uh, I work very closely with the, the two, the founding member and again, uh, the Michael who does the coordination for, for all of that. I, uh, these are my clients and my friends sure. at the end of the day. We're, we're yeah. a small organization and, um, you know, I take care of these guys, um, and girls as best I can. I will bend over backwards. People know they can call me 24 hours a day. You know, we've had cars involved in collisions and, you know, I said I will be there at three o'clock in the morning for that tow truck to drop off that car. Yeah. I have no, no cares whatsoever to make sure that it's taken care of properly. And, oh, that's great. you know, they, 
they know that it's it, it's a very different service and yeah. uh, i think if you don't live and breathe this stuff then you're not able to offer the correct care the car requires yeah i mean it, i've had people you know i've 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 rescued cars from other facilities that don't work on even like European cars and somehow, you know, an owner took their car there because, you know, it works, they work on their daily driver and these shops are just saying, oh man, this car is a piece of garbage and <laughs> how do you work on these things? And I'm like, why don't you just ship it to me so I can stop hurting it and, <laughs> and fix it properly know, and fix it because you seem to despise it and um, I, that's not a good start to work on it. Mean, and I've heard that story from several other owners where they buy their DeLorean and the fuel system is still K-Jet, but there's crazy things yep. done. You know, it's not like they've changed oh, yeah. to a carbureted engine, but just really yeah. weird things done or the muffler system's been replaced and they've got something completely yeah. weird in there. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, we get a lot of weirdness. We get a lot of weirdness. <laughs> you, you, it, it does sound like you actually do care and it's not just, let's see how much money we can get from everybody. Which is one of my big problems. Yeah, it's the total opposite of that. If if anything, I undercharge because you know I, I might have so much, so many hours trying to diagnose a, an issue that I don't feel the customer should have had to pay for. And, yeah. and meanwhile, it's not my fault. It's not the car's fault. It's not the owner's fault. It's the last person who worked on it's fault. <laughs> right, and right. The bizarre weirdness that they did on it that no one in a million years would have gone and looked for the part that you would never turn or touch on a DeLorean. And that's the part we have to go turn and touch and, and find out why they turn and touch it. And uh, again, I, I I run a business where I don't feel like my clients should have to pay for that. So if it means me staying late here to figure it out and saying, yep, that, that's it. That's what we do. You know, we you know aim to just pay our bills, keep our head above water, and ultimately keep people happy and keep the cars on the road. That's it. And um, I think if anybody had a plan to something similar, I would tell them it's a bad idea. <laughs> Let's talk some technical things on the car. Sure. Yeah. What are the worst jobs you've had in recent times or, or the hardest jobs you've had? Um, you know, things like suspension, shock upgrades, um, you know, tire upgrades, obviously, or tires that we can get, whatever we can take at this point. Um, those are fine. Yeah. Do you have a favorite shock upgrade? Um, you, you know what? We've, we've tried a number of them. I like the, um, so far the AVO ones have been, been pretty nice. Uh, v is in Victor or Z is in Zebra? Uh, v is in Victor. A V O, and is that a, is that Canadian? I I don't know parts well enough, but I've not heard of A V O before. Uh, Ed stocks them. I think some of the other Delorean franchises oh. stock them as well. Okay. Yeah, they're um pretty. I think Aaron has them. I'm are they those sure. adjustable um, or are they fixed? Yeah, they're the they're the adjustable ones in terms of the dampening. Yeah. But, and they have an adjustable collar on the rear, but they're not adjustable in the front. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. My, my rule that I have for the car is that if you can unbolt it and put it back to stock You're fine the with course it. of half a day, yes, exactly. Yeah. And especially when it comes to, you know, values and appraisals, have the box of the original parts beside the car sure. for when an appraisal is done. That yeah. way you can say, here, this is I have the parts that could go back. Yeah. Um, you know, as somebody who understands the collector market very well, that's an important thing. So I tell people, don't, you know, Flog them on eBay. Don't do this. Just hold on <laughs> to these original parts because yeah. some someday when it comes time, if the next person down the road doesn't want to have a the car the way you have it, they want it 100% stock, the parts are there to do that, and the value will be back into the car. Being a car guy, I'm sure you know in the United States, there's a lot of states that have smog requirements. Do you have something like that in Canada? 
We had it. It is now gone in our province, and it never applied to the DeLoreans. It only applied to cars that were 1988 and newer. 88? You're lucky. There's a lot of states here where they cut that off, like at it has to be 79 or older, uh, so DeLorean yeah. doesn't fit. There's been talk of like 81 and older, which of course kills half the you know half the DeLoreans. Yeah. Some right. states are a lot harder than others, so. That's good. You get you don't have to deal yeah. with that. Any engine uh, swaps or any kind of interesting engine work you guys have done? You know, when we do an engine build, we just you know make sure things are a little bit more cleaned up in terms of the heads and, and so on like that. Uh, whilst whilst it's all apart, have a uh, a free flowing exhaust of the few different types that are are out there. Are always a nice thing for people who want a bit more power to the car. But the stock system as well, you know, just to keep the the noise 100% exactly the way it was is also what some people request. So it took me a couple of years to figure out everybody that wants to do these, you know, Josh Josh's DPI's uh, muffler upgrade. Uh, I kept thinking it was for uh, the the tiny little power boost. Turns out everybody wants yeah. the car to sound quote unquote cool. And again, to each his own. But <laughs> yeah. people would ride in my car and we'd be driving down the freeway, and multiple people said, "Wow, it's so quiet in here." Like that's because I have the stock muffler. Yeah. I, I haven't done an upgrade. Right. I don't. I don't want the car to sound like a street rod. I want it to sound the way it was supposed to in the beginning. Yeah, and my my eighty two has a, you know a completely dead stock system, and that's I just like the way the car works in its stock configuration. And again, to each their own. We that's all. It's whatever people <laughs> it's, want. It's it's fine for. Them. Have you? Well, yeah, whatever people want within reason. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, have you been too many? DeLorean events over the years? Have you done any DCSs or been to Eurofest? Yeah, I was at DCS 14 uh, or 20, in 2014. That was really a, a good time. I, I, as a shop, I really haven't had time to be able to get away for that amount of time or for anything like that since. Um, I really want to go to um, Eurofest, but really want to go. So that's that's on the, the agenda, hopefully for next year. But it's, it's I mean, we have such a short driving season in, yeah. in this market that it's I just can't. I mean, there's so many things we just can't do. And by the time we have time to breathe, we're into like winter work. And then that time that's over, we're in summer work. So. <laughs> it just goes fast. It goes really fast. Justin, yeah, so. you shouldn't miss that stuff. It's such a great time to connect with other owners. There's so much learning. Oh, yeah. And you don't, you don't get those back. It still kills me that I missed Ken Consulik's last DCS. You know, yeah, his, sure. the last one that he did, because I've heard yeah. from so many people, it was so amazing. Yeah, that was the one I went through. That right, exactly a fourteen. Yep, yep. The last Eurofest, I I think I had my car two months, and it was too much money and too big of a commitment. I wasn't, I didn't understand what I was missing out on. So now I harp on a yep. lot of people. I'm like, don't miss it. These are very unique opportunities to go do this stuff. And you having a shop, being a part of the community, being basically one of the only shops in Canada, maybe the only one, you really need to go. Wolfgang Hank is going to have Pilot yeah. Car 21 there, or at least he said this at the last DCS that he was restoring it. I'm pretty sure by yeah. now he's got it done. I'm really excited to see that because there's not many Pilot Cars left, and Wolfgang no, is I, I agree. hardcore mechanic, so you know that it's done right. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw some uh, some notes about the on one of the forums, and uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I I really wanted to go. I mean, I had. Um, there was, I couldn't go last time, and, and, and this time I, I have to. And, uh, and you know, you, you never know when the last time they'll be able to run something like this is. <laughs> like that's the other thing, especially you know, clear off the test track. And, yeah, or the people won't be there. Yeah, I always I always say that as well. 
I heard that the test track might be getting uh, demolished for an expansion at the original factory. So it, it's exactly those kind I of really, reasons. I really, really hope not. Yeah, I really hope that we can get to next time. And yeah. yeah. Now here's an idea, so that you're not, you don't feel like you're stuck at the shop for the next for Eurofest. Get all the other Delorean yeah. owners there to go with you. <laughs> then there won't be any cars to work. Everybody, everybody will be at Eurofest. <laughs> Well, you know, I think there no one will, will fault me for, for leaving for that one, right? Exactly. What is Eurofest again? Okay, uh, Eurofest 2021. It's the 40th anniversary of the car. It is May 27th through May 30th. Okay. In Belfast. Okay. You can find them on Facebook if you search for DeLorean Eurofest 2021. And there is a website as well. So everybody definitely go check that out. I don't think they've ever run out of tickets, but... Looking at those pictures from the last the last several events, it's just amazing having that many cars in one place. I've made some plans for me to be there with uh, a friend who lives there, so I'm uh, I've, I'm getting that side of it taken care of. <laughs> good, good, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Now, now I have the motivation that I have I have somebody on ground I can help. Right, it so, does make it a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Back to you and your your Delorean mm-hmm. ownership. Do you have any favorite or least favorite stories, breakdown stories, or experiences that that are kind of that once in a lifetime thing? You know, I've been pretty uh, lucky with my my personal that the, my eighty two lock on on stainless. I um, it's been, <laughs> it, it was a well sorted car, and you know, I always say the, the cars that are regularly driven, not excessively driven, but regularly driven, are are less of a concern on the cars that really sit for extended periods of time. Yeah. Uh, it becomes a recommissioning job to get them to be back to what they were when you can and versus just, you know, basically starting and, and maintaining. So I was lucky that my car was a, a nicely maintained car. And, you know, I think I, I've had um, my one, one, one experience I had with it was a, uh, a shift pivot bolt break in my first few weeks of ownership you know, driving along and, then suddenly there was no nothing attached to the shifter, and uh-huh. you know I was I was very very lucky. I was able to cruise into a apartment complex that was right off the road I was in. I called a friend to drive me home, uh, which was all of probably 15 20 minutes away. Figured out what it was, fixed it in the parking lot of this apartment complex, and drove home. Wow! So uh, you know stuff like that happened. That's lucky. Was, yeah, and it was lucky. Could have been you know far worse. You know, I've had I've had other issues like you know I had a an '83 still have it '83 project car my father and I bought, and uh, it was uh, you know we finally got it working and running I guess about a, a year before he passed away, and then when he um, when he did pass away a week after my friends were like you know what you should take the car for a drive your your dad would have liked that I'm like all right I'll take the car for a drive I'll take it out of the, the storage facility and I will take it for a drive. And I'm going down the road, a beautiful fall day. And I look in my rearview mirror, and all I see is smoke. And I'm like, oh, that's bad. So I pull over, and my brain wouldn't let me believe what I was seeing when I opened the engine bay, which, of course, was oil pouring out of the valley like water. Oh. Because block rot, even though it was a perfectly clean engine, and we hadn't had a chance to do a, um, you know, a VOD job on it yet, but it was, it didn't show any of the telltales of corrosion that you'd expect. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, the bottom line was, uh, towed back and it sat in the storage for another year until, uh, I was able to, to fix it. That's fine now. 
So for something like that, you had block rot. Did you yeah. replace the entire engine, or did you just? I, I was able to sort of figure out where the the leak onto it was, and the repair. I showed you know some of my clients who were here. I go, this this is a repair I would never do for a client because if it were to break again in this way, it would be equally catastrophic. It would be the end end of it. But we we were able to to weld the block for my own personal car in that <laughs> that particular case. And I know again, I would I would never do it for for a customer because it's just pretty iffy, but the rest of the engine was in such good shape. It was wow. certainly worth having somebody who was very skilled with TIG yeah. do that one little spot. So. That's that's lucky. So, and it was a coolant leak, presumably, that, that caused the block rot? Yeah, probably. I mean, also with a lot of the cars we see in barn storage, and this was a barn find car, um, you know, mouse droppings become acidic as well and all sorts of, of oh. stuff. I've seen, I've seen like a mouse nest eat through a metering plate assembly Wow. Like the plate for the plunger, and it actually had a hole in, in that from a mouse nest that was sitting inside the airbox. Wow. Yeah, we've seen terrible things. We've seen really aggressive rodent issues, hmm. for, especially from the bar, barn cars, and it gets to a point where, you know, things are, things can be really biohazard. Do you have any recommendations on, I, I don't want to say long-term storage, because like even for the car you and your dad had, you guys didn't yep. drain the fluids and, and park it, presumably because, like most people, you probably don't expect to leave it sit for two, three, five years. You think you're going to drive it once a month, and then the next thing you know, two years have gone by. Well, yeah, in that case, um, we had just got the car the year oh. before. It was oh. you know, all the Prius owner stuff that sat in the barn. So we had you know, we, we picked it up as a basket case to fix and you know, got it running in a course of a week. Uh, which was, you know, a bit of a miracle. This was still before I had the business and, you know, did everything right, cleared out the tank, you know, did the fuel system flushing right. and, and all of that and freed up the engine and blah, blah, blah. But what was happening, of course, was the corrosion that was happening there before we even got to it. And got had it. I pulled the intake manifold, uh, you know, the year before, I might have seen something. Sure. But, you know, kind of hard to say. It sounds like, yeah, you, it was a it was a project car. You weren't trying to do a full rebuild at that moment. Yeah. And you didn't expect nope, it to, nope. to break that quickly. Yeah. You still save the car. Yeah, and it's fine now. We, uh, you know, just some cosmetics to do on it, and I drive it every once in a while. It keeps alive, but it's uh, it's coming along, awesome. you know, with all my free time. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There was a video, now I'm forgetting what year it was. It was like 18 years ago that Ed Bernstein, who ran DeLorean One Forever, yeah. Uh, he was at a at a car show, and there's a video of him saying 18 years ago now that he said there were like 6,500 cars left in the world, and that was 18 yeah. years ago. So uh, when I, as a new owner, I see the cars that have been destroyed in uh, forest fires, house fires, uh, cars yeah. that have gotten destroyed from car accidents, and uh, and then you think about the cars that, like you said, the ones that have been left outside and are not recoverable. They just, they have to be parts cars. Uh, my estimate is like 4,500, 5,000 now. After 20 years to yeah. to lose 1,000 or 1,500 cars seems reasonable. I'm not a mathematician, but uh, just from what I've seen, uh, I feel like there's 4,500 to 5,000 in the world. That's what I tell people yeah. on the street at the gas station. Uh, you know, the community is getting smaller and smaller. I think that's like pretty correct. I, I think um, I, I mean my number I, I would put as a guesstimate too is about five thousand, um, and and the bulk of that being in the U.S. just based on where people have you know reported cars. Right, right. So the DeLorean census that we started on DeLoreanDirectory.com/slash census, yes. that was the whole point mm-hmm. of that is 
there's there was some other lists out there, uh, but they didn't have enough information. They didn't have dates on there. You didn't have any idea yeah. if that uh, VIN plate was from yesterday or 10 years earlier. Exactly. So the the DeLorean sends out there. All the data is available. There's nothing other than the the person's name and email address that's hidden, just so that people don't get spammed. But everything else is is available on the spreadsheet, so that when someone is researching a car, hopefully now and in the future, they're going to be able to say, "Oh, look, you know, here's the car was in this location and that location," and uh, I'm I'm hoping that people who haven't already will go up and submit a census record. Uh, and even better, yeah. after you submit the census record, if you'll upload photos, uh, at least one, if not 20. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Some people have said, ah, Dave, why are you doing this? What, you know, what, what are you trying to get out of it? Nothing. I'm so for the community. I just want to, to like you, I want to help the community. I want to help people with the car. And my skill set happens to be as a, you know, web software geek. I'm not a mechanic. Yep. Uh, I don't know Great. enough. So, so that's why, and that's where the show comes from too, is just, it's for fun and it's for owners primarily, but a lot of people listen to it. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great. I love anybody who's, you know, trying to help out the community and, and puts the cars sort of first. Right. I'm a little worried about, uh, again, like you said, uh, just any, anybody who's just trying to chase the almighty dollar on, on this particular product. And, yeah. and luckily I, I, I don't know of too many because you, you picked the wrong product. <laughs> that was right. the case. Right, exactly. But, you know, you know. I think you could be making a lot more money on 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 other cars, as you know, maybe other people could as well. But again, I'd like to think that everybody's in the DeLorean community is in it for the cars, yeah, and and keeping the cars on the road, keeping them alive, keeping them um, appreciated for what they are and their unique place in history. Yeah. And we were really lucky to have um, one of the guys who was an original factory worker come do a talk here back in the fall. And it was so interesting to hear the stories uh, from inside, you know, from a guy who was 19 years old when he was working there. Wow. And, uh, you know, you don't, I don't think you get that same thing out of the hearing somebody who worked in a factory now building cars um, because of the passion that was even required of those workers, just happy to have a job, a life, a promise of something else. And, yeah. and, and somehow that's seeped into the car. I, it certainly has for me, and I think there's a number of owners that feel that. It is yeah. a, a unique, special thing to have a DeLorean, uh, not because it was in a movie or because it's so, you, yeah. you know, it looks unique, but the, the history of the car is amazing. Yeah, and and I think that's important too. I like I like to see when people you know come and ask us about a car that they they know the history about it. It's not just a shiny stainless steel thing. Right. And, and if they don't know the history, I'm happy to to give them the history and and make sure that that means something to them. Because at the end of the day, I'd like to think that all of these things go together to make it something that you want to continue seeing alive. Yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating than somebody being unhappy with their toy and just throwing it back in the garage because it didn't meet their standards or it didn't meet their expectations of what a toy could do. Right. And right. we try and nip that in the bud really easily. That's because, great. Um, you got to be able to put up with old cars and old cars <laughs> in general. I'm always so disappointed when I talk to an owner that you could tell they don't like people. They don't like sharing the car. <laughs> and, and I, I just want to grab them and say, sell the car. You're not the right person to own this car. <laughs> Go get a Ferrari. No one will bother you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of, 
kind of the other way. We, we do have some clients who are, uh, are quite introverted, and, and I certainly respect that because um, the good news is the reasons that they wanted the car were, were not to talk to people at all, but to enjoy it for all the same reasons we just mentioned. Yeah. But, you know, some of them, that's just not in their nature. So I tell them, here, here's a good driving route for you. No one will bother you on this route. You will not have to be at a gas station on this route. And, and that's the route they do. Everything is a nice round trip, as, as you know, it kind of has to be sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I, I find a lot of interesting people who are drawn to the car. And it's, it's actually not uh, different than what I had when I brought, you know, I was working on the team that brought Smart to Canada. That was one of my first babies oh, wow. with Mercedes-Benz Canada, was bringing Smart into Canada, which was different than how it was launched in the U.S. And I tell you, some of the similarities between these two very different cars and the people who purchased them are, are certainly there. I mean, they're, they're both rear-engined, rear odd-body-paneled, misunderstood vehicles. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> with, with a dedicated clientele who love them and a group of people who may not. Right, right. They don't understand them and they don't get them. <laughs> That's, yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it's one of those things. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know we had a little tech difficulties at the beginning trying to get connected. The U.S.-Canada thing on Skype didn't work, but uh, we we got together. That's great. Thank you for taking care of the cars. Thank you for helping the community. And I mean that sincerely. There's not a lot of you guys around, so it's appreciated by me and uh, anybody who wants to keep the car alive. Wells Auto in Canada. How can people find Wells Auto online or in person? Well, thanks again for having me, Dave. And, and to, to answer the questions about where to find us, it's wellsauto.ca. Uh, at the end of it, we're just happy to keep all the DeLoreans here in Canada working as best we can and to help the owners here help themselves when needed. Fantastic. I hope that I go to Eurofest. Like I said, I'm 50-50, but I hope that you go as, a, as one of the special people, and hopefully I'll get to meet you there. Otherwise, if you're ever in Las well, Vegas, Nevada, let me know. Oh, for sure. I'd, I'd I'd love to you know I'd love to be able to get away someday. It's uh <laughs> it's it's been um it's been busy, but uh, Eurofest for sure. I mean, it really is. I think an important thing this year, especially with what you said. Um, we don't know how much longer we have for the test track and certain people, so um, I want to make that work. And um, I think that's that's next next on the to do list. Awesome. And for everybody listening. Again, please go to DeLoreanDirectory.com slash census. Submit a census record for your car or any car that you see online or at a local shop. Take a picture of the VIN, one of the VIN plates and a couple of pictures of it so we can see the condition and get as much info as you can to submit it. VIN numbers are not private or secret. That's why they're on, on the windshield. Anybody can walk up and see those. And uh, just so we can kind of keep better track of where the car's at and what's happening to them. Spread the word about DeLorean Talk. Uh, check out, there's lots of articles and information on DeLoreanDirectory.com. One other pitch here is in an upcoming episode, uh, we're going to be doing our first return guest, which is Barry Wills, and he's going to do basically an Ask Me Anything. So if you check out the social media for DeLorean Directory or DeLorean Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there's a link to submit a question for Barry. Or if you are inclined, you can open up your recording app and submit a short question. And if uh, it makes it to the show, we'll, we'll put it into the show and Barry is going to answer questions for people.
So uh, look forward to hearing from everybody. Justin, again, thanks, and hope to meet you one of these days soon. That sounds great, Dave. Thank you again for having me on the show. Of course. All right, everybody, drive safe and keep that stainless clean. 